You're listening to a bonus episode of the Accounting Influencers Podcast, Talent in Accounting, with Rob Brown. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers, and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Welcome to the Accounting Influencers Podcast with me, Rob Brown. I'm thrilled to have with me today, the author of The Smarter Accountant, it's Dawn Goldberg. Hello, Dawn. Hi, Rob. How are you? We're splendid. Great to have you on the show. Dawn, you're a CPA. Tell us a little bit about your journey and how you got to here. So I've been a CPA now in public accounting. I'm in the United States, and I've been a CPA for over 30 years. I worked for Deloitte & Touche. I worked for Ernst & Young. And about, I would say about 10 years ago, I, I studied to become a certified life coach. And everything that I was learning and applying in my life, I realized wasn't just affecting positively all the other areas of my life. It was having such a profound effect on my accounting career and how I was able to handle work and everything that comes with being in public accounting. And so I decided to go for an extra certification and to hone in on coaching accountants because everything that I learned just made such a dramatic difference for me. To what degree do you feel accountants as a breed are coachable though? That's a great question. So you, I think for accountants, for to be coachable for anybody means you need to be willing and open because I think what happens, unfortunately for some accountants, not all, is that we tend to argue for our problems or in other terms, we argue for our limitations. So for example, with everything that I learned and applied, I was able to show that I could have stress-free tax seasons and still you know, work all the hours and do all the things. And so when I tell accountants, like you can have a, a stress-free tax season, they want to argue with me. And I like, but the ones that are open to it see dramatic results. So I think to be coachable, you just, I don't know if you have to get to the point where you where you say like, uncle, like, okay, I give up, you know, like the pain is, is, is pushing me to find an answer. I just don't think you have to wait that long. I just think that's why I'm trying to get um, to, to reach as many accounts as I possibly can to say that there is a, a better way. You just never been taught. What I teach has never been taught in any accounting program, in any continuing education class. It's just not taught, which, and it should be every, every client that I have says, why haven't I learned this? And I'm like, I know. <laughs> well, we're going to talk about the book and the accounting profession generally, the underused brain of accountants will term it. But you've been in this game a long time. To what degree do you feel it's more difficult now or even easier to be an accountant than it was perhaps a few years ago? Well, I mean, yeah, it, it, it's easier and difficult. I think back in the day, I mean, we did everything manually, <laughs> right? Technology. Those were the days, has, right? <laughs> it, yeah, like the 12 column paper, you know, I'm talking about like, we had to input the DOS uh, path in order to print anything. I mean, I'm talking, you know, I started um, my accounting career in, what was it, 1988. So we're going back. Um, so yeah, there's, of course, it's technology has made our jobs easier and the ability to research and the ability to find information and the ability to exchange information, 
We were not living in a bubble where when I was working at Deloitte, we um, we only got information that Deloitte was giving us. So we had certain ways of looking at things and we now our, our world has expanded. On the other hand, for accountants, we bring our, our work is with us via our phone 24 seven. If we don't learn how to manage our brains, we are going to just give into that our lower brains knee-jerk reaction, that urge to look at that shiny object. So I think our ability to focus is one of the, the most difficult things right now because there is so much, there's so much that we can be distracted with. Is there a sense of, of perhaps entitlement, that might be a better word, with some accountants who claim, well, listen, I, I've done all the studying and learning I need to do. I've got my qualifications. I stay up to date with my CPE, my CPD, uh, and the regulatory requirements of the job. But why should I need a coach? Why should I need to learn anymore? I've got letters after my name, and, and I'm accredited for what I do. So that that's the, the greatest thing, is that we think the letters after our name give us confidence, <laughs> give, us, give us happiness, yeah. give us a sense of fulfillment. You just have to look at the, I don't know, in the UK or abroad, but you just have to look at the desperation of accounting firms in the United States right now. They are unable to get talented employees. They are unable to hire talent because there has just been such a great resignation. It's that it used to be, right, you did your four years of college, and then you worked for a firm for a few years, you took the CPA exam, there was like this nice linear path. And as accountants, we all like, you know, a nice, a nice formula. However, we get in the job, we get the brass ring, we get the advancement. And then we're like, what is going on? I am unhappy. I am, I am continually uh, stressed and overwhelmed. I am on the verge of burnout. My family is unhappy with me. I'm just not like, this is not what I signed up for. You wrote The Smarter Accountant. It's a quite a provocative title because we envisage the accountants are already the smartest of the smart. So talk to us about a couple of the, the pain points, the catalysts for putting this together, Dawn. And the, and the cover of the book is purposeful. It's a license plate with the abbreviation for Smarter Accountant. And it's a little tongue in cheek. Because in the United States, accountants love their vanity license plates. They want everybody on the road to know that they're an accountant. They'll have like tax CPA and CPA number one. And, you know, it's, it's great. We, we should be proud. We, uh, we have accomplished something to just be in this profession is in and of itself a, 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 an amazing accomplishment. However, to be a smarter accountant means that to learn what nobody has ever taught you, which is that you have the most amazing piece of machinery on the planet and nobody gave you instructions, which is your brain. And so what I learned in my studies and that I applied not only to my life, but to my accounting work and to my accounting career is that we have two parts of our brain, just really briefly of two parts. We have the higher brain and we have the lower brain and the lower brain has been with us since humans lived in cave. It's, it's the primitive brain. And that is the part of the brain that is running our lives 80 to 90% of the time. We're not aware of it. But then there's also the higher part of the brain, which is the prefrontal cortex. And that is the most, humans are the only species that have this. And that has the amazing ability to think about what we think about. It has the ability to 
make decisions ahead of time, to plan, to think through things, to put things into context. And we think as accountants that, well, we're smart. So that's the part that we must be using for our work, but that's not true. 90% of the time we are reacting with our lower brain, i.e. if you experience stress and overwhelm, that is your lower brain doing what it does. If you work too many hours, if your life is imbalanced, if you aren't making the money that you want to make, if you don't feel as fulfilled, if your work is affecting your relationships, like all of the typical pain points, especially stress and overwhelm that affect accountants is because they don't understand how to take back control of that lower brain with that higher brain. And in the book, you label that in the introduction as the boxes most accountants check or, or tick, as we say here in the UK, because they think they're doing okay. But then you, you run a number of phrases and ask them if they identify with them. I'm just reading here, Don, you work too many hours. You're not as productive as you'd like to be. You have difficulty with criticism. You compare yourself to others. This could be non-accountants too, but particularly in the, in the high level and high expectations of trusted advisors these days, there is a lot of pressure. There is a lot of uh, huge workload and very high expectations of these people. And, and why wouldn't they feel under attack and contending with all kinds of things? Well, yes, there are circumstances, right? There are things that are, that are not within our control. There are, there are, you know, there's workloads. There's, I've got a, I've got a list of right now we're in tax season. I have a list of about 30 to 40 clients that I have to do by the end of, of tax season. Those are circumstances. Those are facts, but it's what our brain makes those facts mean, which is often this is hard. This is too much. This is challenging. I'm not sure, um, you know, just on and on and on. So it's our brain's interpretation of facts that then creates a problem. And so I have been able, with being able to manage my mind, and I teach my clients how to do this, I am able to get more done in less time than anybody else in the office. I am able to be incredibly productive and efficient because I understand how to manage that lower brain. I like to, I like to delineate it um, between the lower brain is like the toddler, and the higher brain is like the supervising mother or father, right? The toddler is running around just wreaking havoc, not understanding what it's doing. And it, does, it means well, right? It, it doesn't, it's not trying to be malicious, just being a toddler. You have to understand that higher part of your brain so that you can be that supervising parent. That one of the other things with the, with the higher brain is that it can give, um, it can give context to long-term gratification. Our lower brain is all about immediate gratification, like a toddler. They want what they want when they want it. Now, if you allow a toddler to run your accounting career or your accounting firm or your accounting business, you're in a lot of trouble. When I coach accounting entrepreneurs, I'm like, you have to get your brain, you have to understand how to manage your, your brain so that you have the supervising parent in charge of your business, not the toddler. And when accountants want to fix things, and they are paid to fix things. They're paid to solve problems and very complex problems a lot of the time. But particularly in their own life, their own workload, their own situations, they would turn outwards and look at processes and look at working environments and, and they'd go externally. We had Dr. John Finn on the show, did a two-part, and I'll put the links in the show notes. About He wrote a book called The Habit Mechanic and he works a lot with 
big, big companies. And he says, we run on habits and we run on the internal mechanisms of our brain. And 99% of things we did and thought yesterday, we'll do again today. But if accountants are always looking outside for that silver bullet and that magic formula for an answer, instead of thinking, well, the answer's inside here, they're never going to get the answers, are they? Right. And you, the, the best processes in the world cannot fix what you are mentally not in control of, right? So I'll say to, if I focus on time management with clients, I'm like, anybody can put blocks of time on a calendar. It's your ability to follow through, to not give into the urge to do something else. It is our, like processes are great and apps and, and software and all of those things are great, but it's our ability to actually use it to the, to the best of our ability by understanding the connection between the actions that we take and what our brain is directing us to do. And like you said, it's really understanding the, the connection of our habits. So we have neural pathways in our brain and the more, I like to say, it's like, um, like a well-worn groove in a record, like vinyl records. I know I'm, I'm dating myself, but vinyl records and the more that you have this thought, feeling, action pattern, the deeper the groove is and the, the more automatic it is. Now, our lower brain is motivated by three things, to seek pleasure, to avoid pain, and to conserve energy. So our lower brain loves habits, habits of thought, habits of actions. It loves that because there isn't much energy. Think about when you learned how to, how to drive a car. There was a lot of energy of thinking hands on 10 and two, and what's this mean? And what does that mean? And what do I have to do? But once you've done it over and over and over again, you, it's just so automatic. You can drive to the grocery store and not even remember how you got there. You just, you just automatically do it. That is what our habit brain, that lower brain loves. But we don't pause to stop and, and look at how, how happy are we with the results. And you take accountants right to the very edge with this book. It's not an academic book and, and goes very deep into the psychology and the physiology, which is a good thing. We don't want to get too wrapped up in that. But you, you're very plain on saying accountants are on the verge of major burnout. So you state the problem and then you go into your formula and the different parts of the brain and give them some context for what needs to change. So... Just wrap up that formula side of things. And then we'll go into this practical, how do they apply it with your model? Though? What I learned in the, the second um, coaching school that I went to for my extra certification is the formula called the model. And the model is, <laughs> my mentor calls it the secret to the universe. So it's basically broken down into five simple five, five parts. So the first thing is you have circumstances. Circumstances are the things in the world. They are the amount of work you have to get done, there are the dates on the calendar, there's the fact that there's a deadline, it's factual, it's everybody would agree on the planet, you could prove it in a court of law. It's the situation, the perhaps. Situations, yes. It's what someone said, it's the weather, it's just the facts of life, okay? So there are the facts, but here's the thing, the facts are completely neutral. They do not mean a thing until our brain makes them mean something, okay? So our brain, we have on average 60,000 thoughts a day about lots of circumstances, right? 60,000 thoughts a day. So we have thoughts about circumstances. So those thoughts, those sentences in our brain then create our feelings. Now here's the key is that we don't feel stressed 
because of a circumstance, because of the date on the calendar. We don't feel frustrated because of the words a client said. We don't feel unhappy because the boss asked us to work Saturday. We don't feel anything about a circumstance. We have a thought about a circumstance that creates our feelings. That is everything. That is where our power lies because how we choose to think, right? We have the lower brain thinking for us. We don't even question it, but then you have the ability to turn on the higher brain to decide on purpose, to be more intentional with how you interpret the, the circumstances. So our, our feelings then underneath that is your actions. And those are the things that you do and the things that you don't do. It's your actions, your inactions, and your reactions. Those are all driven and fueled by your feelings. Now, when we feel stressed, the actions that we take are really unproductive, right? We're spinning, we're procrastinating, we're complaining. We're doing a lot of things that really don't give us the result that we want. So all of our actions then give us the experience of a result. And we wonder why we're on the verge of burnout. We wonder why we've got so many people unhappy or frustrated or overwhelmed in the accounting profession. It's because we're not taking control of our brain's interpretation of the facts. So that's a very quick explanation. You're very practical in the book with your approach because you, when you first visited those checkboxes and pain points and signals for accountants, you then say, you put your, yourself in the mind of the accountant and say, if I'm so smart, why am I working too many hours? If I'm so smart, why am I stuck comparing myself to others? So you take these in individual chapters and, and break them apart. What are some of the commonest ones out of those, Dawn, that you come up against time and time again with your clients? So I think stress and overwhelm are the number one is the number one pain point. If I'm so stressed, if I'm so smart. Sorry, if I'm so smart, why am I so stressed? Why am I so stressed and overwhelmed? Um, I should be able to figure this out, right? Exactly. So we just equate. So here's what happens. Here's the catch 22. If I'm so smart, why haven't I figured this out? And if I haven't figured it out, then there is no answer, right? We assume there is no answer. That's why I say that accountants like to argue for their limitations, because when I say, guess what? I can show you exactly how to drastically reduce or even eliminate stress and overwhelm, even during tax season, because they haven't seen it done. They haven't seen an example of what's possible. They tend to question, well, I'm smart. I would have figured it out already or somebody else. And I'm like, I'm raising my hand. I'm like, yes, me, I have figured it out. <laughs> so that's one stress and overwhelm. I think, so I have um, a real fun quiz and it just takes five minutes and it walks through the, the 12 pain points. And when somebody, um, and then I recommend that people uh, just schedule a 30 minute call with me to discuss the results of the quiz. And invariably they'll get on the call and they'll be embarrassed because the higher you score, the more you're checking off those boxes. And they'll be embarrassed. I'm like, you, you have no idea. I have the statistics, like 75% of the people who take this quiz can relate to at least seven or eight of these of these pain points. And it's typically the stress and overwhelm, the time management, and the ability to set boundaries. Those are probably the three, the top three pain points that most accountants deal with. And there's some escalation there, isn't it, Don? You can easily see how uh, the difficulty you might have in setting boundaries, detaching from work, being productive, being unproductive leads to more stress and overwhelm. And that leads to 
mental health problems and anxiety and self-confidence and imposter syndrome because you're just not coping. So I suppose you, you, you've got to deal with some foundational stuff first with your coaching clients before you can get onto the highest. Yeah, it's funny, though, you know, with the with the tool that I teach, the model, we just have to focus on one area and work on that. And you see how much power you have in so many other areas. So when I learned this tool, I literally only applied it at first to my relationships. I wanted to improve my relationships. And then I saw the, it's, it's universal. It applies to every single situation, no matter what the situation is. And it was like, I say it was the last mountain that I climbed was, could I apply this to tax season? I had improved every other area. Now I thought, well, I don't know. I really can't. And so I worked on it. I, I got, you know, I'm a coach, so but I do get coached and I worked with a coach on it. And I was like, each year that I applied it to tax season got better and better. And now I do not have stress during tax season. It's, it's, virtually impossible. What would you say to accountants and CPOs that say, it's not very well working on myself, but it's my clients that are the problem. It's my colleagues that are the problem. It's the system. It's the tech that's the problem. That is so typical because we we are taught to blame outside things. We're taught to blame other people. They are why I feel this way. They, they've done this. They've said this, you know, so that's the beauty of the model is that again, I applied it to my relationships and it also improved my relationships with work, with clients, with my relationship with time. How many of us are like, time's a, time's a problem, there's not enough of it. So when you understand how to manage your brain, you understand that the, again, the circumstances are neutral. Your clients, what they do, what they don't do, and like I was working with a client about setting boundaries with her, um, with her clients. And she was sending out engagement letters and saying, you know, if I don't get the information by such and such a date, then, you know, I'm not, you're, you're just automatically going to go on extension. And I said, and how often have you followed through on that? And she was like, eh, not, not really. Right. And I'm like, all right, let's do a model on that. Let's understand exactly why you are not following through on taking that action, setting a boundary and adhering to it. And once we did the model, she understood exactly what was happening, when it was happening. And then she got to be more intentional and decide, okay, here's the result that I do want. And here's what I have to do. And we plugged in everything into the model. And she's like, oh, there's my instructions. There you go. And so I said, okay, but it's not that quick, right? You understand what you intentionally, she was feeling worried or, you know, she was a solopreneur. So she was feeling worried, oh, I'm going to lose these clients. And when we feel worried, we take the worst action we possibly can to run a business. So when we did more intentional and we decided what feelings she needed to, to drive her actions, that's when she felt empowered. But she had to remind herself because that, again, that lower brain was automatically going to go to worry. It was going to just offer her the thoughts that created worry. So we'll put your contact details in the show notes, Dawn, and people can reach out to you. If they do, and I presume you work with accountants all over the world, what are those initial steps? Sure. So you just schedule a 30-minute call with me, and we talk about what it is that you're dealing with, what your struggles are, what is it that you would like to see? What is your vision? I, I love asking clients, like, what's the best case scenario? Let's go for that. And it's all over the board. 
yeah, I'll talk to entrepreneurs and I'll think, oh, they want to work on their business and they actually want to work on, I just worked with a partner in a firm and she said that she actually wanted to work on her relationship with her husband because her work, she seemed to be bringing that work home and she was prioritizing work over her relationships. I've had people who a lot of accountants want to work with me on time management because that is like, that's my jam. <laughs> I am like huge, huge proponent of better time management for accountants. And here's here's the biggest misnomer is that accountants will buy a, a, a particular software program or a particular workflow program or a new planner. But it, unless you understand how to manage your brain, then you do not understand how to really manage your time because they, they go together perfectly. So when you understand that skill and then you bring that to time management, huge improvement. You mentioned the word entrepreneurs there. We've obviously got different kinds of accountants in that some are entrepreneurs. They're running their own firm. They're the owner. They're the founder. Some are employed, but they've got that paycheck and they've got paymasters and they've got to adhere to the culture and everything else. So they're perhaps not as entrepreneurially minded. They don't have as much control over their circumstances, but these principles apply to all of them, don't they? Even more so, again, like great point, entrepreneurs have a little bit more control over circumstances, but with with you don't need to to change circumstances in order to work with the model. You have a circumstance and then you can actually get the result that you want, no matter what the circumstance. And I, I work with employees as well. And for example, one of them was just so frustrated with her job and she was on the verge of leaving her job. And we, we talked about that your job doesn't doesn't cause frustration. Your job doesn't cause you to feel anything. Jobs don't cause feelings. Our thoughts about our jobs do. So I said, before you leave, let's clean up your brain. Let's teach you the skill of managing your brain so that if you still choose to leave, you're bringing that brain with you. Because if you leave with an unmanaged brain, you're bringing that brain. So you'll be, there'll be a honeymoon period in the next job. And then the same exact thing will happen where you will be blaming the policies, the workload, the, you know, whatever, you'll be blaming all these things for how you feel, but you can take ownership back. When you take ownership, it changes everything. You can just stand up for yourself. You can, you know, make changes that, that you want to implement to, to voice your opinion or what, you know, whatever it is that your goal is, when you understand how to manage your brain and how to incorporate that, it makes all the difference. So let's wrap this up, Dom, with a few practical suggestions, a call to arms, if you like, for the CPAs, accountants, bookkeepers, professionals out there listening that resonate with what you're saying. They know that doing something is better than doing nothing and waiting for things to get better. We know that waiting for a slower day is not going to come because things are only going to get more frenetic. So what practical advice would you give to them to take a little bit of control back and start to use those underutilized brains? Sure. So the quickest fix that I would say is to get everything out of your brain and onto paper. Just spend five minutes doing what I call a thought download. And once you get everything out of your brain and onto paper, you wanna separate out the facts from your thoughts about the facts. There are, and I'm promising you there's very few facts, <laughs> if at all. Most of what we have in our brain is thoughts about facts. And so when you see that, oh my gosh, there's maybe two facts on this page and everything else was thoughts, then you understand that all of them are optional. You have to ask yourself, do I like what that thought will create if I keep it? Is it useful? 
is it helpful? Just because it's in your brain doesn't mean you want to keep it. Doesn't mean that if you if you chose to that things would wouldn't get better. If you choose intentionally, some thoughts, yeah. Of course you want to keep. I I you know, I I love my husband. I this is a great day or whatever it is. As long as you are more intentional, when you understand what's happening in your brain and you see it on paper, I think that's, again, that higher brain has the ability to think about what we think about. We can look at a piece of paper and say, wow, that's what's going on up there. No wonder I'm miserable or no wonder I'm, I'm stressed or no wonder, you know, I get at the end of the day, I want to drink an extra glass of wine. No wonder this, cause that's what's going on in my brain. So once you get that down on paper, you delineate and divide between what's the facts and what's my thoughts about the facts and just understand that your thoughts are 100% optional. That's a great first step. And, and just going on from there, Don, what would they do after that? Well, it's being more intentional. It's understanding that, okay, here's what, here's what I was, here's what my brain was thinking about, you know, so what was my brain thinking about? It was, I can't believe that she, you know, my, my brain was, I can't believe she said that. Well, what was that thought about? What was the circumstance? Oh, my secretary made, you know, said blah, blah, blah. We don't want to get super factual. Okay. That's what I'm, I can't believe she said that. Well, how does that make me feel? That makes me feel frustrated. Well, what do I do when I feel frustrated? Well, I avoid her. I spin in my head. I complain maybe out loud, maybe not. And I don't like the result of that. So now I want to understand, okay, if the thought, I can't believe she did that is optional. How do I want to think about that, that would make me feel just 10% better, right? We just want to go for 10. We don't need to jump to feeling frustrated to, you know, in an ashram feeling totally peaceful, but you just want to feel 10% better because your feelings drive your actions, how you will show up and how you will be able to handle everything that you have on your plate. If it's driven by a better feeling, that's when you just have much better results. We wouldn't want to feel 10% better. Don Goldberg, that's been terrific. Thank you so much for your very practical approach and giving us a real message of hope today. Thank you so much, Rob. It was a pleasure. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast.